This is Paul Nobles from Eat and Form, and I am here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. Susan, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello to everyone. So uh, just a couple housekeeping things real quick before we get into the topic. And the topic of the day is going to be sleep and stress's role as it relates to um, fat loss, right? And, and keeping your body composition and energy level up and, and things of that nature. We're trying to do these in an eight to 15 minute window. So they can be a little bit more consumable, but at the end of the day, sometimes topics just have to go a little bit longer. And so we will as the topic unfolds. Um, in terms of eat and perform, we, we actually now just had added another offer, which is a four month membership, which is something that uh, um, we're excited about because it kind of puts people into a longer um, thing. So unfortunately that does not go with our, our free trial, right? So you can start with our free trial, which is a two month membership. Um, you, you essentially get the same level of coaching, just the bonuses that you get are different. A lot of people want the meal plan. And so the meal plan is with the four month membership, but talk to a coach and then see what fits good for you. And we'd, we'd be happy to work with you. I know a lot of people, are going to be really interested because we have our back to school challenge and you know a lot of people are putting their kids in school and they're ready to get back into shape and things of this nature so we'd love to help susan can you tell them where to find you yes so my website is drskleiner.com d-r-s-k-l-e-i-n-e-r.com i am at power eat on Twitter, which I do not very often, and Instagram, which I try and do more often, and Facebook, I'm Dr. Susan Kleiner. Yeah, so if you haven't read, you know, I'd actually prefer both books, truthfully. Um, the uh, I'm, I'm spacing the name of your first book. The, the Good Mood Diet. And, the Good Mood Diet, yeah. yeah. So Good Mood Diet kind of sets the stage, and then... Um, the new power eating is really kind of the good mood diet on steroids. Is that close? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're an eater performer and you want to know about eating food and performing well and potentially reaching your goals, and that's a little bit where we're going to talk about in today's podcast. Um, those are good references. Those are good things from a good source into what you can do to succeed. All right. So, I wanted to talk about sleep partially because it's top of mind for me. I, I have an older dog and um, she's struggling right now. Right. And we've oh. actually known that she's been struggling for a while. And uh, it was interesting because, you know, I was talking to my wife. We also, um, we also just dropped off our daughter um, at college and, so uh, I only mentioned that to bring up how these options kind of came up. And so I started talking to my wife and we sort of agreed that, um, you know, we'll start the process of like hospice care for her almost. Right. And one of the things that um, she it's, it, you know, I want listeners to hear me when I say this, she's not in, in, in dire shape. Right. I mean, I've seen other dogs. It's just so obvious that that they should be put down. She it's not obvious for us. Right. 
And so, so since my daughter is gone, we took her mattress and, and what, what is happening with Kira, she has a certain amount, uh, amount of dementia involved. Um, is that she, I guess it's like sunsetting um, is what it's called. Uh, her days and nights are reversed. Yeah. And so, so what happens is, is that she wakes up at two 30 at night and, and um, you know, in our bedroom, she sleeps in a little bed this, beside us. She starts scratching at the door so that she can go downstairs and kind of roam around while she's feeling anxious. Right. And she might need to go outside things of this nature. So my wife and I then have to go down and then we sleep downstairs on the couch or whatever, which isn't super comfortable. Since my daughter left, um, we now had her bed. So, so we've made a little, little cot right next to Kira's bed, you know, and she did, you know, wake me up last night at two 30 and I listened to a podcast and, and I got back to sleep and I was able to get in a good, eight hours sleep. There's a lot that you could dive into with sleep. We're not going to be able to cover much of it. Um, we have covered it in other podcasts, um, more in depth. So definitely take a look at that. So I'm going to really try to keep the scope of this very narrow because for one, I'm being affected by it. So here's what happens. And I would argue that this is the major thing as it relates to sleep, because obviously we all know that cortisol is a hormone that wakes us up each day, right? And it can become problematic when you're over dieting, you're overworking out, though that can be a little bit overdone. I really don't think the majority of people overwork out. I just think that they're under recovered. And I suspect we probably agree on that. Right. Because most people like let's say it that you're you've been a chronic dieter, you've been dieting since you were 15 years old. You probably have no idea what it's like to work out at 100 percent. Right. The first thing that Susan does when an athlete comes to her is she puts a thousand calories on them and sees how they respond. And magically, they respond really great to it. Right. <laughs> right. And and so there's many people out there that um, that are struggling with recovery, struggling with sleep. And so we kind of want to address that. So given that, you know, very narrow point of view related to sleep, what are your main thoughts? Because I think that a lot of people out there listening to this, especially if you aren't an eat performer or if you're an eat performer and you're in a fat loss cycle and not in a performance cycle and maybe sleep's not great, you know, what are some basic thoughts that you can kind of put out there that might help them in a more correct direction? Well, so just to understand how critically important sleep is, and it's, um, it's not just kind of sort of important, it will halt your progress in anything you are trying to do if you do not get adequate sleep. And adequate sleep is not five hours a night. Adequate sleep is a minimum of seven to eight hours a night. Um, yes, as we age, we may, we may sleep less. It doesn't mean that we need less sleep. And so that's where napping comes in. If you start to have some 
uh, disordered or uh, sleep and you can't sleep more than five or six hours at a time and you wake up. Um, so, so what happens? Why does this happen? Because sleep is so essential that if you are not sleeping, it becomes a huge stress on your body and you get a major stress response. The first thing that happens is uh, your stress hormones go up, you start to risk uh, sort of systemic chronic inflammation because your immune system is not working at full capacity. And when you're not sleeping, since you're, what you really need is sleep, yet you're not allowing your body to sleep, the next response that your body looks at is, well, maybe I need more calories. Maybe I need more energy. And so this, the, your appetite is stimulated to eat more. And typically, an unrested person is less active, not more active, unless you're like, participating in the eco challenge or something. And the reason you're not sleeping is because you're running across mountains in the jungle. That's a whole different story. But 99.99% but of us are sleep deprived and less active. And so, um, and eating more than we require, because that is the next best solution that your brain can figure out. And so, um, so your weight loss is halted. Your body is no longer uh, in, in allowing yourself to burn maximum calories in what you're doing. Your efficiency of movement is reduced because you are not able to work out as effectively. And your calorie burn in everything that you do goes down. And so all those things together mean that your weight loss is halted no matter how little you eat. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting because I would probably challenge you on the idea that, that weight loss is halted, but I think we would both agree that fat loss is halted. Like right. I was having a discussion with one of my clients today and he was asking why we reset. Now, you know, just so everyone knows, Susan and I talk about a lot of these things and, and we dig on these topics with podcasts, but there are things within Eat to Perform that she's not completely aware of. So I'm not going to go deep into it, but basically whenever somebody goes into a fat loss cycle, it lasts about six weeks and then we reset their calories back to pretty close to normal, which is a lot higher. So like, for instance, if a new person comes in and they've come in as an under eater. We have at least six weeks to kind of figure out whether they were an under eater. Right. And then we do everything we can to figure that out in that reset, which is three to four weeks, we can then reset their metabolism to a point. So it's very common for someone to come in and they might lose, let's say three to five pounds. Right. Which, you know, both of us would agree one pound a week is probably fine. But the reality is, and this is what we see, is that if we can reset them to normal, 
they can actually see anywhere from six to 10 pounds of loss, right? So what that means is, is when you're starting off and you're very frustrated because you've only lost three pounds and you're only three weeks in, right? A lot of places will say, well, that's normal. It's a pound a week. That's totally fine. To me, that's a sign you're an under eater, right? And so it's way better for me to reset you and get your calories back to normal. That way the math, see, see, I'll talk about this in just a second, but we have very clear data over thousands and thousands of people, right? And what we know, you know, and I'm not saying that there isn't a one-off for whatever reason, you know, because, you know, somebody might be dealing with menstruation or stress or sleep issues that they need to work through and things of this nature. But what we find in almost every single situation, it's so rare, it's hard, hard to even bring up, is that if we can get things to normal, a lot of those things start to correct, including sleep, right? So a couple things I, I wanted to, to mention, right? Because I think some people, when they hear your comment related to inflammation, they go, that's the reason why I'm not losing weight, right? And, and people cling on to all of these ideas of, of weight loss and fat loss that, frankly, what Susan is talking about is different than your guru on Instagram, right? Your guru on Instagram is trying to sell you whatever supplement they're selling you or fat loss program that they're selling you for $19.95, that's mostly going to be a distraction. If you're going to do weight loss, fat loss right, it's going to be a process of discovery for yourself, right? And a lot of that is going to be abandoning some of your previous thoughts, right? So that brings me to the other thing of why you're hungry when you don't sleep. So Susan brought up a great point right? But I want to kind of add some specifics to it. Because people say, well, when you don't sleep, you know, you crave carbohydrates. And that's true. Some people crave nuts. You know, what do nuts and carbohydrates have in common? They're both calorie dense, right? So, so let me give you an example. You wake up at two in the morning, you can't sleep. Do you really think you're going to make a kale salad? Probably not. You know, unless, unless it's a kale salad with a lot of nuts in it, right? Because what you're craving is energy, right? This is the argument with the sugar-addicted people. They're like, oh, I'm so sugar-addicted. It's like, well, yeah, how many calories are you eating a day? Well, 700. I, I mean, you're probably not sugar-addicted. You probably just need energy, right? And, and what we see, you know, just across the board, is that people that struggle with sleep struggle with so many other things and often cannot sustain a fat loss cycle. They end up binging, they end up doing other things. And so you need to fix the sleep part nine times out of 10. And then the other 10th part is you're at more risk to tear down protein than you are to tear down fat when you are underslept, right? So those are all things that, that you need to go through. The, the other thing that I want to say that once again is, is, is you mentioned the five hours sleep, okay? What we agree on this, 
But what people would tell you is what they tell me. Well, I've never been able to sleep more than five hours. It's like, well, then, you know, how long have you been dieting? Well, I've been dieting since I was eight. It's like, well, yeah, it's really the dieting that's the problem. It's the under recovering that's the problem, right? And so you, I have sleep issues, okay? And I wanted to bring this, this up a little bit earlier, but, but one of the basis for, for Eat and Perform is, is my approach to data. I learned my approach to data playing poker, right? And, and I just was having this conversation with my wife and she, she was surprised by it, right? Because she didn't remember it this way um, until I kind of focused her on it. This is how much I know sleep affects all the things that you do. So I would travel all over the world playing poker. If my sleep was interrupted and I couldn't get to sleep, well, first of all, this is how much every poker player prior prioritizes sleep. If you're really good at it and you're trying to win millions of dollars, it's very common to spend 500 extra dollars on a room that's attached to the casino where the place is. So during breaks, you can go nap. That's how important it is right? I've made two deep runs at the World Series of Poker. And I would say that, that, you know, some of the issues that you start to have day six, day seven, is is sleep related, right? Every single person that you see on TV is not sleeping, things of this nature. But what you can't do is go into one of these tournaments, working on four to five hours sleep, and then hoping adrenaline is going to take you into day six, because it will not, right? So I, I had to learn this the hard way a few times. And then what happened was, is if I wasn't getting, you know, good seven to eight hours sleep going into tournaments, I just wouldn't play the tournament. So I need you to understand what I'm saying is, is I would fly to a place, book a thousand to $1,200 worth of hotels, and then literally not play. That's how important sleep was at my life. And, and, it's more important now, right? And so I, I think in the order of priority, people go, well, my order of priority is fat loss, right? And then, and then maybe abs and going to the gym and things of this nature. If you can move sleep to the top of that order of priority list, all those other things become so much easier because now instead of working out at 60%, you're working out at 80 to 85. I mean, like, you know, the fact of the matter is, as good as I am at it, as good as Susan is at, at it, we're probably not working out optimally every single time, right? So you kind of got to keep that in mind as we're having these discussions. So um, I think we can, we can, we can, you know, just kind of finish this up. And so I'm gonna let you do that. Well, so sleep is so important that the man who is the head of the um, nutrition, uh, sports nutrition program for the Singapore Institute of Sport, which is basically the equivalent of the U.S. Olympic Committee, he is actually a dietitian, but he's also a sleep scientist. That's his specialty, Dr. Richard Swinborn. He's a close colleague of mine and has published a lot on sleep and everything else that you can think of, but also 
fat loss, muscle gain, sports performance. And um, it's absolutely critical. And in Asia, there is a sleep deprivation epidemic because of the high demand for performance in children and adults in their work lives and their school lives academically. And so this is how important sleep is. <laughs> it is at the top. You know, we think nutrition, we think training or diet and exercise. Sleep is 100% the third piece of that successful triumvirate. And without any one of those, you do not find long-term success. Yeah, and, and what I described with, with poker, I'm actually more diligent with these days, right? I will walk, as an example, on the days where my sleep is short, but, but I do use naps strategically, things of this nature. I know some of these things are kind of difficult. They don't feel like you can solve them in, in seven days. Like, you know, I see all the seven-day resets and seven-day challenges and things of this nature. You, what you often see for me to perform is that we're, we're trying to, to elongate a lot of that, right? Because a lot of that is the problem. But the problem is, is that a lot of people look at each reform and they go, well, you know, I tried two months of each reform and say, well, the two months of each reform is really just to kind of wet your beak so you could kind of see what it's like, right? It's not, you know, I view each reform as a lifelong system. People go, well, am I going to be counting, counting calories? Well, here's a little secret that you might not know. I don't count calories most of the time right? I really only count calories in two sessions. I count calories as I'm amping up performance going into a fat loss cycle. I, I'm very diligent in a fat loss cycle and then also in the reverse. But once I'm good and reversed out, I, I, you know, I have kind of a general routine. And then when I'm out of that routine, I just mix in a salad. Like it fixes it that easily, right? It's not like this monstrous thing. And so I think, uh, and, and then, you know, I mean, I think I'm characterizing this correctly, um, but you're not really a macro person at all, right? Like you're a big believer in calories overall, quality of calories mattering and things of this nature, right? Well, I do, I do the work on the macro end, right? I, I do the counting. I do the math. Certainly, I am not looking at percentages. Percentages in my world are irrelevant. I'm looking at grams per kilogram body weight um, at a much more exact amount on a day-to-day -day basis based on the effort needed and the goal of that day or that week or that month of training and dieting. Um, but I don't want my clients counting. I want my clients thinking about food. Yeah, so you do the counting for them. Right. Perfect. All right, so I think we, we, we covered that as a little bit of a highlight reel, not necessarily like a lot of specifics, but, but what I want to tell all of you is that I haven't solved sleep, right? I still struggle with my sleep. I'm a light sleeper, things of this nature, but I have some general rules and some general ideas and certainly you know, we address those as coaches and things of this nature. So if you have a question and you're an e member and you want to know the answer, 
ask your coach. The coach doesn't know the answer. They'll bring it to me. You know, I, I've read literally everything on sleep and things of this nature and some of which is probably contributing to my sleep problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but what I can tell you is that uh, my sleep is vastly better than it used to be. Right. And, and I don't think, I think it's a little like mental health, right? Like if you're trying to get in a better place, mental health wise, the goal isn't a hundred. It's just better most of the time. And then where you land is a lot better. Right. So like at most nights I'm getting seven to seven and a half hours sleep. That certainly was a lot better than the four I used to get. Right. Mm -hmm. And so so kind of keep that in mind. And when you look at sleep, one thing that we haven't really mentioned, and I'll just say that as we're leaving, um, is the, um, the, the role, I mean, you, you, you don't realize how bad your workouts are on five-hour sleep, right? And or two so, calories. Yeah, right. Both, both are, they actually work really similar, right? Mm -hmm. um, also, by the way, I mean, speaking to that, you know, if, if, um, if I'm struggling with sleep on any given day, so here's a great example. I, I know we keep doing this, but, but, but it's, it's really helpful, right? Because, you know, one of the first in the series that we did was on cortisol, right? So if you knew that carbohydrates were favorable as it relates to cortisol going down and getting back to sleep, if I struggle and let's say I wake up at 2 a.m. and there was really no other reason why I woke up. What I will do is go have oatmeal, um, protein, and a little bit of peanut butter, right? And I'll mix that up and I'll eat that. And I'm telling you, 99 out of 100, I get back to sleep relatively quickly. Why? Because the carbohydrates in the oatmeal push the cortisol levels down, the protein does as well, right? And then what the, the peanut butter does is it puts a, a calorie level to my oatmeal, right? That allows a better blood sugar response and things of this nature. Most people that are waking up at two o'clock in the morning, right? And I think you would agree with this. They're having a blood sugar response and they need to address that blood sugar response, you know, I would say seven times out of 10. Right. So there's one more thing that that does, and the protein-carbohydrate combination allows for uh, tryptophan to move into the brain and increase production of serotonin very quickly. I mean, it, within moments of, of, of beginning digestion. And uh, serotonin at night has different uh, receptors in the brain than during the day. And during at night, that promotes rest, relaxation, and sleep. And so that's why the glass of milk before bed is probably helpful in promoting sleep in certain people. It's a combination, a natural combination of protein and carb. It also is high in tryptophan naturally. And so um, it doesn't have to be warm <laughs> and you shouldn't mix it with cookies, <laughs> but, but that, that glass of milk, um, and this is dairy milk is, uh, is probably helpful for people a couple of hours before bed. 
Yeah. So, so but at we, night, you were, when you wake up, you're doing the same thing. It doesn't have yes. to be milk. It's the yes. protein-carb combination. I think that's an important thing to say because truthfully, I think what happens is people go, well, I have an aversion to milk. It's like, okay, that's a whole nother podcast. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But, 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 um, there's other ways to address it and, and my way, but, but literally what you said with the milk, um, and we've always advocated for some level of dessert, right. To allow the brain to relax and things of this nature, um, can be fruit, can be a lot of other things, right? But certainly something with tryptophan is going to be a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, frankly, especially if you're in a performance cycle, it, it's going to help preserve muscle, things of this nature, because you're sleeping deeper, things of that nature, right? All right. So I won't say things of that nature anymore because the podcast is done. I appreciate you being here and uh, we'll uh, talk to everyone later. Bye now. Bye-bye.